today's program made possible by patrons like you. Welcome to where we celebrate music from the movies. From the golden age to present day, we've got it all covered. We talk to those in the entertainment industry and find out about their favorite scores. You found the podcast, What's the Score? I'm your host, Frank R. Wilson. So sit back, relax, grab a popcorn, and let's see what we'll be hearing today. Recognize that music? It's a favorite of our guest today. Now, he's making a return appearance since his first episode was one of our most popular episodes ever downloaded. Now, I, you know, I've named him a John Barry groupie, and while that is a fair description, it does not mean that his love of film music is only about John Barry's work. It goes way beyond that. And today we're going to explore that interest in film music beyond John Barry. So I hope all of you will please join me in welcoming Ian McDonald to the program. Hi, Ian. Hello, Frank. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for your patience. We've uh, we've had some technical difficulties. We've gotten through it, so I appreciate your, your help on that. Um, as I do with most of our guests, and some of you maybe haven't heard the, phone, the, the first program, uh, and in that case, I think it's worthy to uh, kind of bring it up again, and that is to maybe... Just tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, growing up and family and career and those sorts of things. Okay. Well, I'm now uh, age-wise in my mid-70s, uh, and I first uh, uh, started getting into film music in 1959 when I was 12 years old. Um, my family situation at the moment, um, I'm married. I'll be married for 50 years come next uh, March, um, and... I have two children, uh, both in their 40s, uh, both living in uh, other parts of the UK, so I'm fair distance from where I am. Um, Career-wise, I, I had two, two main areas that I was employed in, one between the years of 1969 and 1987. I worked for a, a national newspaper in the Fleet Street area of London called the Daily Mirror. Um, when I was there on the uh, production staff and the art bench, um, and I, I managed to meet quite a few personalities, quite uh, famous um, journalists, and a few famous people that they were interviewing from stage and screen. So um, that that's my background. For the last part of my working life, I was in financial services in the west of England, in Devon and Cornwall. Okay. Uh, and then I, I moved, when I retired, I spent six, nearly seven years living in Spain which I'll tell you a little bit about later on. But that, that's, in a nutshell, is me. <laughs> in a nutshell, I love it. That's great. Well, you know, it, it sounds like you've had an inter interesting life, and that's something we're going to explore today. It, right. 
it, um, one of the ways we're going to explore that is, is through your love of film music, which as uh-huh. I mentioned in the introduction is uh-huh. well beyond just the love of John Barry's music. You just oh. love film music in general. Yeah. So one of the things that you mentioned to me as we were preparing for the program is we were talking about uh, the, the decade of the sixties, mm-hmm. all the albums and the, mm-hmm. the themes and hit parade and that sort of thing. There were lots of people that were doing covers, I guess, of film music that were, uh, that was out there. Kind mm-hmm. of talk to me a little bit about that. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose I got into film music, uh, really, on a similar route to John Barry, actually, because it was John Barry that got me into it. Uh, I was one of these kids that watched rock and roll shows on the BBC TV in, in the late 50s called the Six Five Special, Drumbeat, and Oh Boy. I watched those programmes, and I always got a, a, an attraction, a musical attraction, uh, that to me was the John Barry Seven. I just like the the sound, uh, the, the tight arrangement, the originality, and I, I got hooked with John Barry. And then I got sort of I fo- followed him into his days when he was uh, EMI as a musical director, mainly to um, a, a pop star called Adam Faith, uh, who, right. made, who he made some wonderful um, recordings with and some great arrangements, uh, which I still play to this day. Um, and then, of course, Barry got into the movies with Adam Faith via the, the, uh, the wonderfully titled film called Beat Girl, and uh, which is a, a really an iconic album now, and so it should be because I think it's an extremely good album. Um, uh, and now, now after that, I started to investigate uh, the areas of film music um, by other composers because at that time in the early 60s, we were talking about Elmer Bernstein, Jerry Goldsmith, Henry Mancini and, and, and the like. So there were many great theme writers that were uh, really just getting, I suppose, getting themselves going, going, really. They just broken into it. And there was an, it was an era where the film theme was extremely important to every movie that was virtually made because there was always this um, episode at the start of the film where the credits were where the composer gets the opportunity to spread his wings musically and the theme on a film that usually at some point in a lot of the films you came out of the cinema with it in your head and the fact that the tunes and the melodies and the themes were so strong it spawned many uh cover versions many of which made the hit parade i mean i'm talking about uh uh, Ferenti and Taisha, an American duo, pianist duo, that recorded the theme from Exodus. Um, it went had a good run in the hit parade. There was Hugo Montenegro with The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and Ken Thorne with The Legion's Last Patrol. They were all quite big hits in the hit parade. I think there's many others as well, but that's just a few. And, yeah, and, I, and, and, I, and I'm guessing that that was... I, 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 I wasn't necessarily aware at that time of, of the decade, but sounds to me like it was mostly a UK phenomenon that still hadn't caught on to the US quite yeah, at that I think, time. I think in actual fact, some of those, some of those were recordings were bigger hits in the US than they were in, in over here. But um, huh. uh, I know, I know for a certain thing that Exodus was, I think that went to number one, I think over the UK, it was about four or five, but uh, nevertheless, it was a very popular theme. That's just, that's just one example. There was many actually, I mean, there were too many to mention to not only that, we had TV themes that were also very yeah. strong thematically as well. Um, you know, many of them, I, mean, I, I won't list them now, but I mean, those that are collectors of TV theme music around the era will know who I'm talking about. People like Ron Grainer, for instance, who was a very 
very popular, very strong composer in the TV field in those days. Um, and uh, I, I grew up with that, and I, and I used to go out and buy all the single records of the themes, and I bought, and I started to buy all the albums of the famous movies. I mean, early sixties, you had the Magnificent Seven, um, Lawrence of Arabia, The Great Escape. Uh, yeah. I could go on forever, uh, the, the Mancini stuff, you know, it, it was a wonderful era to live through. It was exciting because nearly every week there was a new soundtrack album by somebody coming out on, on, on one or other of the record labels. And it was it was it was a very exciting period for me. I, I, I'm, I feel very honoured to have, have spent the whole of my team through the 60s lapping up this stuff and going out and buying it. And, you know, it. it it still it still gets played by me now it's uh, yeah i mean you know let, let, let's play an example of what it is you're talking about one of the uh, cues that you chose that you wanted to talk about mm-hmm. uh was a uh, uh, from i guess the film is called on the wild side and it's uh, written by elmer bernstein tell no, me no, tell me a little bit about why you wanted to choose that as no. one of your favorites okay well when, when the actual um uh the actual film was called walk on the wild side Okay, uh, and uh, basically, um, John Barry himself did a TV program on BBC, and he actually covered this theme on it, on it, a, a version of it. But th- this particular version you're going to hear now is the main title composed and conducted by Elmer Bernstein. And for me, one of the really best examples of a jazz film theme, and it is re- really, I, I love it. It's 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 a piece that I've always liked. I, I, I Great themes, great pieces of music are usually ageless. They don't age. They don't sound old-fashioned. And this is one example. I think you could you could write this today, and it would still sound fresh. So I'll leave it for you to uh, to play "Walk on the Wild Side" by Elmer Bernstein. Excellent. Well, let's have a listen to it uh, again. This is a a cue from a film called "Walk on the Wild Side," and it's written by composer Elmer Bernstein.
you kind of alluded to it um, here previously, but I, maybe I want to expand on it a little bit. What was it that what was it that got you into film music? I mean, because you know, and I think to myself, and I, I, I can only speak for myself. It's like I always felt like a little bit out of the mainstream. You know, everybody else was listening to, uh, you know, the Beatles or or or, or Elton John or whoever. Right. And, and, and I loved film music, and I f- yeah. kind of felt like an outsider. So, what is yeah. it that got you into that? Well, basically, I think if if I was going through the same stage of my life that I was going through in nineteen sixty today. I wouldn't have got hooked on film music because film music today doesn't doesn't bite me like that did. I don't go to see a movie and and watch the the start of the film or the credits and think, oh my word, that's a cracking theme. I like that. I'm going to find out more about that when I get out of here, you know. Which is what I did in the 60s. I mean, you went to see a movie, you nearly always have a theme. And it, I, I won't go on about it. It's one of my pet hates. Uh, I, I don't like the current trend, but I, I, won't, I won't elaborate on that. Um, as, um, as much to say that, as far as I'm concerned, um, if I was to be at the same stage now, I don't think I'd have been into film music now like I was then, because purely and simply, I went to the cinema quite a bit. I started going to the cinema quite regularly from, what, 19th? end of 1961, 62. And I, I grew up with all those big theme movies. I mean, uh, you know, if you look through the catalogue from that, those eras, there were so many films with great themes. It, there were too many to mention here. It'll take, it'll take you an hour to go through them all, but people will know what I'm talking about. And um, one of the things I enjoyed was going to the cinema and listening to the theme. And one of the great examples for me was um, The Great Escape. I saw the film and loved the movie. But the thing, uh, that I, most of all, that, really attracted me was Elmer Bernstein's Great March, the main theme. Um, I can remember coming out of the cinema, missing the last bus home, and thought, oh, I've got to walk now. Well, I didn't actually walk. I marched. <laughs> I, marched. I marched in tune to the theme that was in my head all the way home. Yeah. And and that's that's the impression it put on me. It came, I came out of the cinema, like a lot of people did at that time, I think, with a tune in your head, with the theme. I haven't done, well, and, never and, done and, that. And, you know, you and I are old enough to remember that you know, before DVDs and, and VHS and everything else, the only way you could relive the movie is if it was re-released in cinemas or through the soundtrack. And that's, you know, that's a big difference these days. And those wonderful LPs as well with the wonderful covers and sleeves. I've still got loads of them in my collection here. I just love the artwork on a lot of those LP covers. They're fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Uh, there you are. That, that, that's what really got me into it. Uh, I think uh, it just grew from there. I got more and more interested in the films and I got more and more interested in the music because I found that the, the actual soundtrack albums were not just great themes, but great scores. There were m- several tracks that were really, really good other than the theme. And, yeah. it made, and it made a good listening experience. Well, speaking of which, I mean, one of the things you actually mentioned just a little earlier, we're, we're going to play is the, second cue that you were interested in sharing with our listeners mm. and that's the theme from exodus yeah and it's written by uh, ernest gold tell us a little bit about why you chose that amongst your favorites well this was one of the one of the themes that was covered by that uh, piano duo i spoke about earlier called franti and Tasha. they recorded this theme as a, as a piano uh, instrumental with orchestra of course the orchestra was conducted by a guy called nick perito at the time and uh, the, the, the theme from Exodus by Franti and Taisha, I think, made number one in the States and uh, number five or four or five over in the UK, something like that. Huh. Uh, 
um, but this is actually this track you're going to play now is actually the soundtrack it's the main title from exodus composed and conducted by ernest gold all right well let's uh, let's have a listen for ourselves again this is uh, the theme from the film called exodus and it's written by composer ernest gold So you kind of alluded to it, but I, I'd be curious. And, 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 you know, to our listeners, by the way, a lot of times I try to find people from the entertainment industry to join our program. And I, you know, I'm not sure you're really in the entertainment industry and that's, that's fine. And that's fine. But you're, you're a huge fan and you have an, you know, an amazing knowledge of film music, which is why I like to have you on. So I, I'm kind of curious, what are oh, your thoughts you. today about, uh, the state of film music today. What 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 are your thoughts? Just kind of tell me a little bit about that. Well, I know it's yeah, it's 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 a subject I've preached on on the on the various uh, chat groups I'm on uh, the John Barry Appreciation Society. I've been I've uh, I've expressed my opinions there a few times and uh, <laughs> indeed received some adverse responses, but never mind. Um, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I I, I don't like film music the way it's being. Uh, portrayed today uh you know it, it's not it's not doing the same thing for me that it did many years ago I, I i don't find that there are the 
the themes coming out of the movies anymore. I mean, some of the music, the great music from, uh, oh, crikey, when we go 40s, 50s, 60s and onwards, the great themes, some of the great songs and great themes, they come from movies. But I can't, I, I suppose there are some songs that, that like that now on, on themes coming out, but really and truly, they're, they're not ones that I, I don't particularly relate to them very much. Um, I, I find them, so, to some degree, somewhat tuneless uh they seem to write in chords rather than write in melody and i always remember yes uh, john barry in, my, in, a, in an interview um he did for rte radio back in i think about 2006 i may have the year wrong right by a year or so but i'm not sure but um he said at the time he said there are some great musicians working in in the movies and they're writing some great music but what they can't do or what they can't seem to do is write a melody and i thought yeah. One, yeah you've noticed it exactly the same as i did and it's it's you know it's how i see it they, they are not they are not the themes and the music coming out of movies today that are going to be seen as unforgettable and going to be being played in 40 years time it won't happen yeah i mean i i couldn't agree more it's like and, and look i'm not a musician i don't even under really understand music i just i know what i like and, and, and one of the things that I have found, you know, for what it's worth, it, and again, I, maybe I just don't understand music. It could be, that could be possible, but I, I see a lack of melody. I mean, there, there should be kind of some kind of a melody, a theme that goes with these scenes. And I, I, what, what, you know, what I hear is just, I'll be honest with you. I just hear noise. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I've tried to uh, keep in this, uh, is selection I'm playing here or, or I've chosen here. Uh, the, the main, the real reason behind them all is melody. Is the, they all they are all thematic, um, and and that's that, that's the sort of music that I've always found attractive. Um, so do you want me to um, to to move on to the to the next one because uh, there's a connection between that and uh, my Alan Warner story, which is uh, I think following next. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, hopefully this leads into the uh, next cue that you chose. I, and I don't know. I've not listened to it yet. Right. Uh, the cue the is called Crimes of the Heart. It's written by right. George Lure. I, I, hopefully that has melody to it because it'll make our point. George, uh, tell me a little bit about why you wanted to choose that one amongst your right. favorites. Okay. Well, it's actually George de la Rue. He's a French composer. Frank. Okay. Forgive uh, my pronunciation. Okay. <laughs> uh, he's a, a, a composer I've got quite a few albums of and he's again he's a very very melodic composer this is just one of the many great melodies that he composed over the years and the reason i've chosen it is that the alto saxophone solo that plays on this is played by a man called roy willocks and i'll tell you a little bit more about roy willocks a little bit later on when we get as i said earlier to the alan warner story so um this is uh, crimes of the heart um, composed and conducted by Georges de la Rue. Okay, well let's uh, let's have a listen for ourselves. Again, this is from the film Crimes of the Heart. Let's have a listen.
We'll get back to our program in a minute. This program is done for the love of film and film music, plain and simple. However, it does take a huge investment in time and in fees for me to make the program work for you. I don't sell commercial time and don't really want to on this program. Rather, I'm kind of like a, a public broadcasting station. I need support from listeners like you. For as little as $3 a month, you can help me uh, uh, offset the time spent in putting the program together. Or maybe you just think of it as leaving a tip in the tip jar. Either way, if you can join up, uh, there will be bonuses, like an additional 10 to 15 minute segment with our guest every week. Well, we'll play additional cues as well as ask uh, some extra questions. And it's going to be only available to patrons. How do you sign up? Well, it's simple. You go to patreon.com slash what's the score, and that's all one word. That's patreon, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash what's the score. Check it out. We'd be grateful for your support. That's patreon.com. One of the things I'm jealous of my uh, my friends across the pond, as it were, in the, in the UK, is that for a long time you guys had what was called the film harmonic concerts. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, 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 only until recently has really film music started to uh, be played with uh, you know uh, uh, symphonic orchestras here in the United States, and even then, it's still pretty limited. Mm. And I, I, you know, I just, I was so jealous to see, uh, you know, how many of these concerts featured you know, composers I would have loved to have seen in person and to, uh, and to conduct and those sorts of things. Kind of, if you will, just kind of tell me about some of the people that you saw, because apparently, I guess you went to all these concerts from 1971 well, yeah, all the way yeah. into the mid 80s. Yeah, well, uh, I was fortunate enough. To, uh, to go to every single one. Uh, I went to the first one in 1970, which featured uh, Ron Goodwin, Muir Matheson, um, Elmer Bernstein, and Henry Mancini. I mean, how's that for a life? Wow. Um, you know, uh, and in this in subsequent years, we had the likes of Nelson Riddle, Francis Lay, Michel Legrand, Maurice Yard, Nino Rota, Nicholas Rocher, John Barry, Jerry Goldsmith, wow. Williams. Oh, well, besides that, there were several guys that were involved in the TV music, which all, which obviously formed a part of those concerts as well. The, the concerts themselves were, the music was performed by the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. The concerts were held at the Royal Albert Hall in London, and they were an aid of something called the Cinema and Television Benevolent Fund, which was a charity um, put together to look after... Um, people connected with the film and and cine, uh, the cinema industry and acting profession that had fallen on hard times either by by way of bad luck or even ill health and uh, it was supporting them in effect so it was purely a charity concert 
but they were wonderful occasions and I was very saddened. I think it was about the mid eighties when they finally finished because, uh, you know, there were some wonderful nights, uh, some great music and um, looking at some of the composers there, sadly are no longer with us. Um, you know, the, it was it was an honor to, to sit there and watch them perform their music. You know, it really was a wonderful evening. Um, uh, I can remember James Mason reciting the uh, St. Crispin's Day speech from Henry V. Wow. Uh, on the on the stage and things like that and um, you know it was it, it was a wonderful evening and and uh, they will always sell out concerts always um, and uh, yeah to to this day I regret we, we don't have anything like that now but mind you the thing I would I would remind everybody of is all those guys that went up there and took part in those concerts they all played themes that we knew you know. Yeah. The grand windows of your mind. Artist Lay, Love Story, Maurice Shaw, Lawrence Arabia, Nina Rota, The Godfather, Nicholas Rocha, Ben Hur. You know, you could go on, and it was all great music that that had made a a real uh, impression, and, and there were landmark scores in in the history of film music. But I really doubt whether if you did a film music concert today of today's composers, what on earth would you play? <laughs> I'm with you, pal, on that one. I, I don't know. I don't know. But again, I'm so jealous. I mean, I, I'm sure there were there were some concerts like that probably in L.A. I mean, you know, I, but nothing like the the volume of the concerts that you guys had in London and mm. and certainly not, you know, with the, the, the size of this country, not an opportunity for those of us maybe to live east of L.A. or those sorts of things yeah. to see these things. And it was a. Uh, Gosh, what I would have given to have seen some yeah, of those yeah. concerts with the with the other composers. Oh, and if well, I understand if I understand correctly, John Barry only did one. It was like what nineteen seventy two. Is that right? Yeah, nineteen seventy two. Yeah, it, uh, yes, he did. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, I do have a recording of it too. So, um, so that's uh, rather nice to look back on. So, um, yep. And wow. I think a year or two ago. They actually released the version um, in France on LP of his uh, performance of The Lion in Winter, which was, huh. which was done in that concert. And it was released on a, an album in, in France a year or two ago. Um, it's quite a nice version, too. So, um, yeah, so that was going to be on the album. There was an album that came out with Barry's um, contribution to those concerts. There was a... An album well, came out in the same year called the concert john barry and uh, yeah but that particular track the line in winter for some reason was omitted so we yeah. only just got it so um yeah so anyway that's uh, that's something but i was i would like to say something about um something uh, completely different which i know is going to interest everybody um and it's um the reason i mentioned roy willocks earlier on was that roy willocks i met um in when i was living in spain he was a friend of someone we actually met down there who was an English person living in Spain and their friend was Roy Willocks and he came down to visit them and they asked me across to uh, their dinner and they asked me to uh, ask my wife and I, I should say, to, um, to, to go to dinner and, and meet Roy Willocks, which I did. And uh, Roy Willocks knew of my interest in music and uh, he said, um, oh, he said, uh, yeah, you, 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 are you into James Bond and all that? So I said, well, yes, I'm big John Barry fan anyway he said all oh, right he said because I don't know if you know this he said but I played on both the soundtrack 
of Doctor No on the James Bond theme on Doctor No, and also <laughs> he played in the orchestra uh, that were made up the uh, the orchestra for the um, the John Barry's commercial version, which was recorded on the EMI Columbia label. Yeah, um, and he played on both. And uh, his story to me uh, was um, how uh, about John Barry's involvement. Now on that story, and, and we'll get into that in a little bit, if you don't okay. mind. We'll right. let's hold right. off on that. But I must tell you that I, I was very fortunate to attend a concert that Barry conducted in 1999 at Roy Albert Hall. So I'm, yeah. I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And then on the, the, the 70th birthday celebration that was done at the Radio City Music Hall, ah. uh, that they, uh, uh, they had an orchestra. He wasn't conducting, but he was in the audience because he was sitting pretty close to me. Uh-huh. Uh, they, had, they, they had an orchestra play the score to Lion and Winter to the, to the film. Uh-huh. And it was, gosh, it was just spectacular. It was so yeah. neat to yeah, see man. that. Yeah. Great score, that. Great film as well. Mm. Absolutely, and mm. and speaking and speaking of great scores, another one that you chose, mm-hmm. which is a, a favorite of mine, is uh, from the film called The River. Yeah, and this is written by John Williams. Tell me yeah. a little bit about why you wanted to include that amongst your favorites. Um, well, it's got a story. I went to one of the film harmonic concerts. I went to the stage door afterwards. That one of the ones that uh, John Williams did, and I took um, this particular album with me for him to sign it. And uh, he, <laughs> when he when he went to to sign the back, he signed the back of the album for me. And um, as he was signing it, he said, "Oh, he said the river." He said, um, oh, "I wasn't aware that that was a favourite of people." He said, um, it's, <laughs> nice to, "It's nice to it's nice to see that someone's someone's got it in their collection." And I was I was sort of taken aback by that. And I said, "Oh, yeah, right. Well, I, I like it. I, I think it's a smashing score. You know." I'm, and he said, "Oh, thank you very much." And he just signed for me, and and that and that was the end of that. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's a score that I like. It's got it's got a lovely flavour to it. It's got it's very similar to in a in a way to to walk on the wild side. It's got a melody, but it's got a jazz flavour to it, and it's got it's a nice blend. Um, I forget the name of the guy, but there's a wonderful trumpet solo in this uh, with the orchestra, and it's a real nice bluesy score, and it's very. Deep south of America, where the area where where you are, Frank, you know, I suppose you're, you're, yeah. probably, you're probably used to this sort of style of music. But, <laughs> but um, it, you know, the river for me, um, it, it fitted that movie with uh, Mel Gibson and Sissy Spacek, and it very very well. It was a re- really well scored movie, and it, and, it, and this is what I I like about those composers. They seem to be able to put their finger on exactly the right sound style mood of the music that fit what's on the screen it's a wonderful yeah. talent they have and and then when you see the music and you see it really well scored and it's a, a, a good theme and a good score in a movie have, have, so have you worked yeah have you found because I, this is a theme i hear over and over again have you found that a lot of these composers are surprised by what fans like or what they yeah. what they remember or what they recognize really you you, you like that one really i mean well, yeah I, they, I mean, they seem always surprised yeah i think they are genuinely because um uh i've had it said to me i know john barry said it to me when i mentioned met him at abbey road and uh ron goodwin i i, I had a, a meeting with once after one of the concerts he did in the west of england i met up with him and uh, um you know and they said that we're just amazed that people like this stuff because what we do is we, we get a job um, from a from a, a film director. We either do the score for my film and you, you do the movie and you, and you 
you know, you, you go through the motions of putting it all together, getting to the studio, recording it. And he said, and then you move on to your next project. You don't really think in terms of it being part of people's music collection. We're, we're somewhat sometimes surprised by people, you know, um, people taking that much interest in it. I remember John Barry said to me when he saw my, my LP, you saw my LP of The Last Valley for me, and he said, how do you get into this stuff? <laughs> yeah. I said, well, I said, well, I blame you for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, we had a little chat along those lines, and he was generally interested in the, how I got into film music, and, it, and, he, said, he, and he just sort of, uh, in, in only, and the only the way that John Barry could, he, he just went, hmm. He got this very deep, hmm. And, it, and you could, it, it's very expressive. Um, you know, you could tell he was thinking, mm, right, you know, and, and <laughs> he was just generally amazed, you know, that, that people took this much interest in it, you know. And, 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 and of course, I think, um, I think they are like that, most composers. They, they don't really look upon themselves as performers as such. They look upon themselves as probably to some good degree background people. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I've almost lost my place. I think we haven't played the uh, cue from the river, and I guess no, I'm right. Not yet. All right, yeah, so let's go ahead and play that uh, since right. you've kind of given us uh, your description of why you like it. Okay. Uh, again, this is from the film The River, and it's written by composer John Williams.
Now, I, I'm curious. I mean, I have my own views on this, and a lot of my listeners know this, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Um, can can film music be overused? Mm, good question. Um, I don't know. I think I think sometimes uh, I've I've heard. I, I'll tell you one of my pet hates. My wife regularly clocks in to watch movies on a movie channel called Netflix. Now I right. I sit and sometimes start to watch the film. And after about 20 minutes, I'm walking out, out of the room. I'll go and do something else. And she says, well, don't you want to see this? I said, no. She said, why? I said, because that guy who is writing that music has got absolutely no idea of where to put music and where not to put music, how to heighten tension, how to how to describe the scene, how to prepare the audience for what's following, etc., etc." I said, yeah. it's an absolute mess. It's just, he's just done wall-to-wall music with no real connection with what's on the screen at all and it just it's like for me when i see that it's like someone in the kitchen picking up the saucepan getting a fork and scraping it you know when it makes your teeth go on it <laughs> and that's just the sort of thing it does and, I'm and i thought oh, i can't stand any more of this and i'm walking out of the room and, and that's it i'm gone and it's the same with a lot of the stuff on tv then they're not music scores they're sounds Electronic, yeah. electronic sounds there's no 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 tune no theme nothing it, it, oh dear oh oh dear well i mean and, and oh, I, I, to be yeah. fair i guess they're also having to compete with all the sound effects that have been well emphasized and improved and those sorts of things and so how do you uh you know how do you overcome that i mean i mean in fairness i just well, think I, I just saw a film uh the other week um uh was it called uh, that the day the dog um crawdad sing i think get what the the night of the crawdad sing something like that i can't remember I don't know. um it's from the famous novel and it's a very very good movie uh very good movie i recommend it it's filmed in your part of the world down the everglades <laughs> and um um basically the guy who wrote the score for it is a man called michael danner and I, I i watched the film i love the film uh but i just sat there thinking you know what this is a missed opportunity because there were several times in that movie when there was visually something quite beautiful on the screen, quite 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 serene, where a nice theme would have fitted beautifully, would have been a composer's in the old days, a composer's joy to be able to yeah. go, Way, you know, I can do my theme here and and I sat there and I'm thinking, Well, come on, where are you? And it didn't it didn't come. It just didn't come, and and I just found I just found that movie was musically a wasted opportunity. He missed an opportunity to write something really outstanding. Now I don't know much about Michael Dano. I don't know. I know I know some of the films he's written, but I've not. I must confess, I'm a bit biased in some respect. But yeah. uh, I, I don't. Uh, I, I don't go out of my way to listen to his music. I put it that way. Um, well, I mean, and and I know maybe this is illustrating one of the things you're talking about. The uh, the next cue you talked about was a uh, from a film called Sweeping, uh, excuse me, Sleeping with the Enemy, and this is oh, written yeah, by yeah. one of my favorite composers, Jerry Goldsmith. Yeah, Tell yeah. me a little bit about why you wanted to choose that one amongst your favorites. Um, plainly and simply, I like the film, but when I saw the film, that that theme jumps out at me. It's one of those sequences where it, he played it, and I thought, you know what, I really like that melody. It's lovely, 
And one of the things that I think Jerry Goldsmith really had a wonderful knack for, he did write some fantastic things. Um, I wasn't altogether sure all the time of his scores. I didn't, I found at times that, um, how can I put it, it was a little bit too much leaning towards percussion and, and uh, staccatos and, and proud short burst statements rather than doing anything thematic. Um, and, but, I mean, I like a lot of Goldsmith scores. Don't get me wrong, I've got, um, well, Under Fire, Medicine Man, um, Sand Pebbles, and yeah. so forth. I've got a lot of those, and, and I love them. Enjoy them, but there are some that I can't, no, I can't, I can't be doing with it. But, um, yeah, this one, um, I saw the movie, and I, and, I, and I heard the theme, and I thought, that's, that's such a lovely, lovely theme. It was, it, 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 it was so well-constructed, and that's the reason I put it in there. Okay, well let's have a let's have a listen for ourselves. This is from the film Sleeping with the Enemy and it's written by composer Jerry Goldsmith. Let me ask you about the next cue that we're going to talk about, uh, because I, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of this as well. And we're talking about uh, the composer Lalo Schifrin mm-hmm. and the theme he wrote for uh, Cincinnati Kid. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and the guy is a brilliant musician. There's no question about it. I don't know if he gets the, the amount of credit that he should, but nonetheless, we're going to give him a highlight here. Tell us a little bit about why you wanted to highlight uh, his work from a film called The Cincinnati Kid. Well, basically, um, it centers around the fact that not only do I think this is a very good movie and a very good score and a very good theme, which uh, at the same time, the actual theme from this was recorded as a vocal by Ray Charles at the time. Um, but it uh, highlights um, a harmonica player who we sadly lost uh, very recently. Um, a certain gentleman that's played on so many film scores and for so many composers that it will take a long time to go through the whole list. And that gentleman's name was Tommy Morgan. Yes, yes. Uh, and uh, he uh, he has played, he plays on this particular track. So I thought it'd be nice to put something in there as a tribute to him. But at the same time, in the middle of this track, I think there's a, quite a wonderful piece of solo jazz piano by Lalo Schifrin himself. So uh, it's, one of, it's one of my favourite themes of Schifrin. And uh, of course, uh, the sad thing uh, with Tommy Morgan is no longer with us, but it's a nice nice way to uh, to remember his wonderful skill by playing one of this track. Good, couldn't agree more. He, he was an amazing uh, harmonica player and there's so few of them out there that can really really do what is required of a harmonica player and he certainly was one of them uh, let's have a listen to this this is again from the film called the cincinnati kid and it's written by composer lalo schifrin
Okay, one of the more interesting things that we wanted to talk about, and we've saved it to the very end. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I and and listen, I, I'm kind of with you on this. I, I I'm interested to hear your perspective. I mean, I have my own thoughts and views about it. Mm-hmm. And what I'm talking about is the uh, the story behind the composition of the James Bond theme. Mm-hmm. And, and, and apparently you have some insights or some inside scoop, yeah. or, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah. Let the, let, let the listeners decide. I'm, I'm just yeah. here with an open mind. Okay. Tell me a little bit about what you know about uh, what went behind the composition of the James Bond theme. Okay. Well, as I mentioned earlier, Roy Woolup, so sadly um, passed away back in 2019. I, I met him in Spain and uh, he told me that he played on both the sessions for the James Bond theme. And, uh, um, the film version and the the uh, the version that John Barry did for commercial release of the single, right? Uh, and uh, he he mentioned at the time we talk we started talking about the authorship of it, and he said I can't understand why Norman gets so much of it. He said, you know, he said well, I was at the sessions. He said, and the only person we dealt with, and and it was there was music there that was changed, reconstructed, and and it, it gone through. The only person that we worked with on that was John Barry. And, and he said, I can't understand what it is that Norman is supposed to have got the credit for. That was what he told me. Anyway, that, that part, um, my own experiences, uh, back in 1970, there was a man called Alan Warner who worked for, he was the artist and repertoire manager at the Liberty United Artists record label in London. And... Uh, I've met him by way of when I was working at the Daily Mirror because he is uh, a friend of one of the journalists that wrote a show page there. And I met Alan and he said, um, can you come along to my office one lunchtime? He said, I'd like to have a chat with you. He said, can you bring some James Bond albums with you? I said, yeah, OK. So I went along to the, the offices and um, he wanted to borrow the albums because the company had gone from United Artists linked to the EMI to being Liberty United Artists, which... I suppose it's some a, a new company or, or whatever. I don't know quite how it worked. And uh, anyway, he, he took my LP covers and he photographed them for use on a uh, to illustrate on a, a compilation album, album called The Best of Bond. It's the one that's got the red cover with a lady with a fedora hat on, I think. Um, okay. And it was going to be originally uh, released as a double album. Um, and... Uh, Alan said to me, now, he said, I'm going to write a sleeve note for this, he said, because there's a lot of controversy about the authorship of the James Bond theme. I said, okay. I said, what are you going to do? I said, because, um, he said, well, I was going to put it in the magazine. He said, because he, he used to write a magazine, uh, uh, he used to write for a magazine called Films and Filming. And he used to write a, 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 he had a page every month just called Records. And he used to highlight all the new LPs and stuff coming out. And he said, but I'm going to write the sleeve note for this LP. And in it, I'm going to give the full story of what happened with the James Bond theme. He said, because, it, you know, he said, I can't understand it. He said, but as far as I'm concerned, John Barry did it. And I said, well, what makes you so certain? What? He said, well, look at this. And he went across to his filing cabinet. And he had one of those old filing cabinets that you had lock and key. And it was all metal. And, uh, you know, you, all the drawers were locked. And he brought out this brown folder. And in this brown folder was the manuscript for the, the writing of the Bond theme. But on it, at the bottom, there was a, a Performing Rights Society stamp uh, together with a waxed seal with a number on it. So rather than one of those machines that you pump a number onto it and then the next one you do, it's gone one digit up, you know? Yeah. And uh, 
And he, he showed me it, and it was, for all intents and purposes, as far as he's concerned, that was the original piece of work that, that James Bond theme was done against. It was John Barry's writing, and it was his signature at the bottom. There was no mention of Monty Norman on it. And that was actually recorded and registered with the Performing Rights Society. Now, how on earth we got to where we got with that, I will never know. But um, I know that later on, uh, when they were going to re-release the, the score from Dr. No, they were going to do a, a re-release, a second release of the LP from Dr. No, um, some people came in that were allegedly from uh, an office connected with Monty Norman. And the, the words... The word was that after they'd gone, somebody tried to find that manuscript and they couldn't find it because it had disappeared. Uh -huh. And it's never shown up since. Now, I'll leave everybody to um, to make your own mind up as to, you know, the validity of what I'm saying. But it all points to one thing. And it's always the thing that I've always held an opinion on this, that, yeah, OK, the, the, the guitar riff from bon Monty Norman is is the main part although it was rearranged was the right. main guitar line for the james bond theme that's beyond question i wouldn't i wouldn't argue with that however the rest of it no uh, and it's that that's annoyed me in the past because monty norman got rest his soul as um as claimed that he did it and i i was i was infuriated that he did that when he knew full well that john barry wasn't around to defend himself I agree totally, you know, and I point out to people, if you listen to the score in the movie, yeah, there are times that you hear a horn yeah. going in and, you know, forgive if I'm off key or whatever. And it's obvious that he wrote that part. Yeah. However, there's no way in hell, I'm yeah. sorry, there's no way in hell that he wrote the rest of it. Yeah. And, and and at least there mm. should have been a joint, mm. uh, yeah. uh, a joint writing credit for the both of them. Well, actually, John Barry went on to John Barry went on a radio on a BBC radio program back in 1991 with a guy called Brian Matthew, and uh, the opening uh, one of the opening uh, little interviews he had with him, he said, um, "Is it true you wrote the James Bond theme?" Uh, and the, and um, he said, there seems to be some controversy about it. Is it is it so or not? And John just turned around and said, well, if you don't think I wrote, I wrote it, why do you think I got asked to write all the rest? Yeah, that's what he always says, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, well, yeah, so, I mean, you know, that, that was my experience of that. I, I actually saw that manuscript that was uh, was going to be used. And, and the, Alan Warner did write that story about that. But when it came to being put under the noses of the, uh, the the Bond empire, so to speak, I can only assume they must have said, no, you can't put that. No, you can't put that. Uh, and the, the double album that was planned for that album went down to a single one, and there wasn't a single mention, any sleeve note about that. So that intended yeah. that Alan Warner had to, to tell the story and was quashed. Um, it, never, yeah. it never really came to fruition, but... I, I know I, I know what I saw. I saw the manuscript. Now I, I would have thought that that was pretty genuine to see that with the, with the seal of the Performing Rights Society on it. So, you know, people have to draw their own conclusions as to, 
you know, the truth behind it. I know. What I, 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 I must, I, and I must tell you, I mean, because I mean, we could talk for hours about this, but mm-hmm. one, one of the final cues that you chose is a, from a John Barry score mm-hmm. and one that I admire a great deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Think about the well, subject matter is, uh, of this film. This is called indecent proposal. And, and, yeah. and, and, and the, and the premise of the film is that a mil- multimillionaire decides to offer a million dollars to sleep mm. with this woman mm. uh, who's married to someone else and they are in desperate need of money. Yeah. And, 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 and oh my gosh, she does a brilliant job of communicating that musically mm. about what the emotions of what that must feel like. For, well, for not, only the, for not only the woman, but for, for the husband and everybody else. I mean, it, I just thought it was a brilliant piece of work that never got fully recognized. And I noticed you chose that as one of your favorites. Tell me yeah. about why. Okay. Well, the, the reason t- twofold. Uh, one is this is the, uh, the piece of music that backs the sequence where Redford finally gives up on, uh, on, uh, on his quest for um, going with this guy's wife. And he requested one final dance and so he puts a record on the turntable and has one final dance with uh, the lady. And uh, the piece of music that backs it, uh, the dance sequence, was long, uh, was, was never put on the original album, but it did find its way onto the, uh, the extended Indecent Proposal CD of a few years ago. And the reason, one of the other reasons that I've uh, chosen it uh, not only because of it's, it's one of my favourite tracks from from the from the movie, it's exactly exquisite. Um, it it features and highlights the wonderful piano playing of now the late great Michael Lang. And uh, Mike Lang was um, a man I, I I did actually converse with on Facebook a number of occasions because I I praised his work a few times on this particular score, and he actually messaged me privately to thank me. For doing so yeah he was an amazing man yeah he was a lovely guy a very very genuine lovely guy and uh it's so very sad to hear he's no longer with us but this particular piece of music is the, the last dance sequence from indecent proposal composed conduct, conducted by john barry and featuring michael lang on piano all right well let's have a listen for ourselves this again from the film indecent proposal and it's composed by john barry
I can't thank you enough for uh, sharing your insights and, uh, and and your love of film music beyond John Barry, even though I, you and I share that affinity. And, uh, and you know, that's why we are Facebook friends. But I'm glad you shared some of the other scores that you like and the other composers. So, again, I can't thank you enough for your, your work on putting this together as well as for your time today. So thank you, Ian. It's my absolute pleasure, Frank. I love talking about it. I love talking to you. And I like conversing and talking to people that have got a, um, a, genu- you know, a genuine um, interest like me in film music and enjoy great film music. I think it's a wonderful art. I think it's an underrated art. And uh, I mean, uh, the selections I've played there, I mean, I could have, I, I looked at my huge collection and I thought, oh my God, what do I put in? And I, <laughs> uh, it was like, um, you know, I, I, I think I shut my eyes and put a pin in and see what comes out, you know. Um, and, and I just chose these and I, I tried to get some reasoning behind it. So I hope people have um, enjoyed it um, and enjoyed the stories. Um, I have got other stories I want to tell. Uh, and, and we're going to save that for our patrons here in just a moment. So I, well, I'll Ooh. let you know about that. But uh, okay. yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it's uh, you and I both have a mutual friend that just recently shared some, you know, top 10 albums of various top 10 composers. And I'm thinking to myself, how on earth do you narrow it down to the top 10 for some of these guys? I mean, it's just it's next to impossible. So I mean, it's, uh, yeah. But that that's what makes these programs kind of fun. I mean, it's, you know, maybe these are your top five and some people don't agree with that, but that's you know, okay. It's I mean, funny. Yeah, that's what it provokes discussion. Yeah, I know. You know, it's funny, but um, sometimes on the John Barry group, people come up there and talk about, uh, you know, their favorites and their top 10 and all this sort of thing. I can't, I can't partake in that. I haven't. I can't either. I haven't got a top 10. I like, I like a lot of things. I can't, I can't put it into top 10. I, I just can't. I, most of the score, all the scores they put in their top ten is fine, but I like a lot more besides. So I don't, I don't categorize like that. I don't put it as my favorite and least favorite and all that. I just like them all. So that's that's it. Yeah. You know, I just enjoy them all. So I'm not, I'm not really bothered about what's what I regard as best, worst, or indifferent. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, well, I like yeah, it. Once again, I can't thank you enough for joining the program today. Ian McDonald is a a lifelong fan of film music, not just John Barry, but other composers, as you've yeah. well been able to hear today. So we can't thank him enough for his uh, participation in today's program and a return appearance because he was so popular the first time. So we'll see. <laughs> I suspect it'll happen again this time. So well, our thanks to Ian McDonald for joining us today. And my thanks to all of you uh, for listening, especially those of you that are patrons of the program. If you happen to uh, like the program and want to help support it, please visit patreon.com and look up what's the score and you'll be able to find how you can support us. Anyway, with that, uh, again, our thanks to Ian and all of you for listening. And there's only only one thing left to say, and that's simply this. My name is Frank R. Wilson. My time's up. I thank you for yours. Thank you for listening to What's the Score.